You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It's time once again for Southern Fried Sports. On your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show is always brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. The Countdown. I mean, the countdown's been on, but it's officially on now. Now that we have Super Bowl Sunday behind us, up next, Valentine's Day Sunday. Coming up this Sunday, February the 14th. If you haven't already, get by Peterbrook Chocolatier. They can take care of you. Mix it up a little bit. I'm never going to tell you not to do the hand-dipped chocolate strawberries. I'll never tell you not to do that because that's a guaranteed winner. That's a slam dunk. You know, that's Tom Brady in a Super Bowl, essentially. 60% of the time, it works all the time. I guess with Tom, it's 70% of the time now. Uh, But, yeah, get those chocolate-dipped strawberries. Also, so many other cool items. They've got that smash heart, they're calling it, uh, over there. It's that chocolate heart filled with chocolate-covered popcorn, the signature chocolate-covered popcorn from Peter Brook. You can smash that chocolate heart, and inside you're going to have all that, all that chocolate popcorn. They got all that for you. And Peter Brook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60 Bitter Bird of Sports Talk Radio. Tom didn't even need 60 minutes last night. Jacob, Tom and the Bucks, they kind of put the Chiefs to sleep there. Really, Fournette's touchdown run, right? Fournette's touchdown run there in the third quarter, to me, as a boomer, that was reminiscent of John Riggins uh, back in the Washington football team's previous incarnation going to the house against the Miami Dolphins at the old Rose Bowl back in the early 80s. There's your boomer moment, but similar type of situation, and it had the same feeling that that was essentially the football game. Jacob, I didn't get anything right, by the way, in that game yesterday. I don't know about you. I mean, I had the Chiefs. I had uh, Brady over 45 pass attempts, completions over 28. 
I had him throwing a pick, which he did throw a pick, Jacob. They had that uh, little flimsy flag there in the second quarter. He goes over the hook, but, man, I was kind of – I was 0 for 55, I guess you could say, yesterday, Jacob. Well, that's a shame. I, I mean, I was wrong on the one big thing, you know, just that it would be a good game. Uh, I mean, and, and, it, and it wasn't necessarily a snooze fest. This wasn't, you know, the Broncos and the Seahawks by any means, but, you know, it, it really just turned out that, that the lack of offensive line talent after Eric Fisher went down and the Chiefs had to shuffle that offensive line, that really just did the Chiefs in. That pressure was unrelenting from the Bron- from the, the Buccaneers. Excuse me. They had 38 pressures in that game. That's just insane. That's like middle schoolish, you know, like you get one powerhouse middle school program against uh cannon fodder type of middle school program. That's that kind of number. That's that's incredible. And I'm with you. That was the biggest thing I wondered about or the biggest thing I was going to be watching out for in the game. As you said with Fisher out, would the Chiefs biggest weakness on offense be able to hold up enough to give Mahomes and those receivers an opportunity to take advantage of the weakness of the Buccaneers' defense. And there's not many on that defense. But the back end, obviously, is where you're going to look to attack, even though Winfield was back. That was big for the Bucs yesterday, I guess, at the safety position. But those corners specifically uh, for the Bucs, you probably feel like you can get after them a little bit. And you just just didn't ever really had the opportunity. And also, you know, give the Bucs credit. On offense, I didn't think they'd be able to run the football like they did, but man, Leonard Fournette, front running Leonard Fournette. That's the best Leonard Fournette. As a Jaguar fan, I can tell you, I've seen that Lenny Fournette before. You know who else has seen that Lenny Fournette? My man, Jacob Harrison. He saw him back in January of 2018 up there at Heinz Field. Jacob, Rude. You saw saw this. You saw this Leonard Fournette before. That Rude. one looked. Yeah, I know. I know. But hey, look. It's just as frustrating for Jags fans because he teased the Jags. And, you know, everybody's giving me some grief now. What about Fournette now? Well, you know what? The Jags more than replace Lenny by going the undrafted free agent route. James Robinson rushed for over 1,000 yards for a one-win team this season. So save me the ats when it comes to Leonard Fournette. I'm happy for Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette is right where he needs to be. You put Leonard Fournette on a good team with unquestioned leadership, probably more important than anything else with Leonard Fournette. You put him with a guy like Tom Brady, and there's no sort of questioning what's being asked of you or what the expectation, what the standard is, Lenny can be okay. But you put him in that situation with the Jags who spiraled spiraled after making that AFC championship game appearance against Tom Brady and the Pats a few years back and not going to go so well. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you'd like to jump on board on a Monday morning, it is a winners and losers Monday morning. So I think we know where we're going with that. I think we've already outlined a few of those for you. Um, Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, uh, you know, I thought Byron Lefwich, Bruce Arians. How about the old dogs in football this season, too? 68-year-old Bruce Arians, Super Bowl champion coach. 69-year-old Nick Saban. 69, he is a national championship coach once again. Tom Brady at 43. The old dogs. The old dogs with a little bite 
kind of like Rusty. They still got a little bite, the old dogs, and it was a great season for the uh, – there you go. Rusty enjoyed that. He enjoyed seeing those old dogs do their thing. So uh, a really good run for the old dogs in football in 2020. Uh, we'll get into some other winners and losers from over the sports weekend in general. What did you think? Are you a commercial guy, Jacob, when it comes to the Super Bowl telecast, uh, the broadcast? Do you really get into that? Are you passionate about the commercial debate? I mean, passionate's probably not an applicable word, but I do enjoy them. I, the M&M's commercial was top-notch. Uh, th- there, there were a few that were, that were really, really good last night. There was a few you know, snoozers, though. My favorite was the Anthony Anderson T-Mobile playing football against his mom. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw that one. And his mom broke out Travis Kelsey on her team there. She brought in the uh, ringer, and it was supposed to be family only, right? And then there's Travis Kelsey in the lineup for his mom's team. I enjoyed that one. I thought that was pretty hilarious. Anything with Will Ferrell, right, is usually going to get some get some positive reaction. I would have preferred him in a commercial for a car company to bring back the role of Ashley Schaefer from Eastbound and Down uh, with uh, with my guy. Uh, what's his name? Gosh, I'm forgetting his name now. Uh, gosh, Kenny uh, Kenny Powers for crying out loud! Come on, Trav. I mean, you're not 60 yet. Senior 60 moment there. Hey, let's head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now. I bet Donald wants to talk about some, uh, I bet he wants to talk about some Alabama basketball. We have Steve on deck as well. Not a great Saturday for the Alabama men's basketball team. Showed some grit, showed some fight, showed some maturity. Now, the maturity thing works both ways. It's great that you're mature enough to come back from 22 down and have a point blank shot with under five seconds to go to take the lead and perhaps pull off the miraculous comeback and win on the road at Missouri. But the maturity's got to be there early in the game, too. Got to get off to some better starts on the road. We'll see if they're able to correct that tomorrow night. And another Columbia, back-to-back Columbias for Alabama on the road coming up. Hey, uh, Donald, how you doing on this Monday morning? I'm doing well. Good morning, Travis. Hope you had a great weekend, buddy. It was a good one. It was a good one. You, too. Yeah, the Super Bowl was a snoozer, but uh, you got to give Tampa credit. Uh, <laughs> you know, that game felt great. like an 80s. You're old enough to remember, Donald. That was like an 80s Super Bowl, wasn't it? Just didn't. Something like that, did, yeah. And, didn't uh, really live up to it. and Yeah. Yeah, and, and congratulations to O.J. Howard. Uh, gets a ring. He's a yes, he does. He, he does get a Super Bowl ring now. Absolutely. And, uh, he got hurt about, what, midway through the season or something with an Achilles? I think thing? it was only like four games in. For OJ with the Achilles and um, yeah, and he got hurt on a touchdown pass from Brady. Yeah, yeah, I know that that offensive that offensive approach for the Bucks. You tell me, Donald, kind of had a Jim McElwain feel to it, didn't it? Kind of well, ex- some extra had some extra yeah had some extra offensive linemen. Mac liked to run with those extra OLs from time to time. Um, you know, some tight end involvement, some play action. Yeah, I thought it was a Jimmy McElwain type game plan. It worked. It was effective. Well, I know one play there. They did actually. He was at the line of scrimmage calling signals, and he actually, I think, I heard him say three Alabama, whatever the heck that was. Yeah, that's always been a part of the Brady cadence. Is uh, Mm -hmm. even with the Pats, he's always had some Alabama in that cadence. Yeah. Yep. But uh, you know, congrats to them. But in terms of the basketball team, uh, they, uh, you know, they. 
it was a game Saturday they didn't deserve to win. They didn't play but for the last 13 minutes of the game. And you got to play on the road. you got to play 40 minutes. And that mm-hmm. has been an issue and uh, something they got to get worked out down the stretch here. Now, the good part about it is, uh, you know, you know, nobody really expected them to go undefeated in the league. I mean, the league's too good. But the uh, thing about it is the thought of it was nice. But, uh, you know, where, where they go from here is what matters. And I'm just wondering, you know, the Ole Miss has got to play Missouri on Wednesday, I think, at Oxford. Ole Miss could really help Bama out with that with a win over Missouri. Playing better lately, too, Ole Miss. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the thing with Bama is with uh, they've got to get better point guard play. And uh, and I'm not talking about Herb Jones because Herb Jones is not a natural point guard. I'm talking about somebody like Quinterly. Now Quinterly showed some uh, sparks against LSU, and he played well the last part of the Missouri game. But uh, he needs to play 40 minutes, and uh, he needs to come and come with his A game at the beginning. And he's got to do better on the defensive end as well. And that's been his issue all years on the defensive end. But he also his decision making has been kind of questionable the last four or five games because he's he's been a turnover machine. You know yeah. he's been averaging about three or four turnovers a game. And at the point guard position, that's very dangerous, and uh, because Alabama relies on him to kind of get their offense going and get everybody set up to do what they need to do best. But uh, you know they're not shooting the ball well from the three. You know nobody's going to shoot it the way they shot it. I mean. They got nine threes on Saturday, but those were late. And uh, Missouri did a good job. Kentucky did a good job against them in terms of trying to take away the three. Right. Also, Missouri the had the big yeah. man in the middle. Yeah, That's Missouri. Missouri with nine block shots, you know, in the game yeah. on Saturday, and you know Alabama that that had a lot to do with Alabama's struggles to. Right. Finish, you know, when you when you look at the mm-hmm. layup stats for Alabama in the game. Uh, 11 to 23. You combine that with 12 to 21 from the free throw line, you know, point blank shots and then free throws. If you're not converting at the rim and from the charity stripe, uh, it's going to be a problem. It was kind of what they ran into even at Oklahoma uh, yes, a week earlier. And, you know, it's, uh, we talked about this with Charlie Potter on Friday on the program. I thought it would be the same recipe for Missouri in this game as it was for Oklahoma a week earlier. And, I think that's largely what it was. Well, Oklahoma and Missouri are also very physical teams. Right. They want right. to slow it down. They want to grind it and turn it into a, put, a get up match. into you. Yeah. And yeah, uh, bully you. And uh, and Alabama's right. Alabama's not made that way. And uh, no, whether that's by design or whatever. But they also miss uh, Bruner because Bruner gives them that presence in the middle. And uh, you know that you know. I don't know what the word is on Brenner if he's going to be back by the end of February or what, but uh, mm-hmm. but they do miss his presence in the middle, if anything, because not only was he able to shoot the ball somewhat effectively, but his ability to pass the ball out of the post right. really set them apart from other teams and helped them build the lead they've now got in the SEC. The game is not really something to be concerned about long-term because a month from now, nobody's going to remember it too much unless they collapse, and I don't see this thing collapsing. However, you know, you start thinking about what it's going to take for them to win the regular season, because I do think if they win the regular season, um, that they will end up no higher, no worse than a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. Because, you know, the SEC regular season champion generally gets gets a, a good good jump on right. that in terms of that. But uh, 
But they do have some things to work on, but they've got to uh, turn it around. South Carolina played a lousy game on Saturday against Mississippi State. You can't figure that team out. To win. Yeah, so can't figure them out. Consistent team there defensively. They are. They've been woefully inconsistent. You know, they played good against Florida, but they played poor against Mississippi State. And uh, lost to so, Vanderbilt last week. Yes. Yeah, I mean that yes, they're the did. epitome of up and down. And then Georgia playing better of late. Donald, we got to get to Steve, but we appreciate the call. Hey, no Georgia problem. playing better. And, uh, yeah, hey, Donald, we appreciate it. No problem. Y'all have a great day, and thanks for the time. Thanks, man. There he goes. Donald checking in on a Monday morning. Yeah, this stretch coming up where a couple weeks ago you looked at this Alabama team and you looked at South Carolina-Georgia this week, Vanderbilt coming up on the schedule. You're thinking, well, you get through that week of uh, Kentucky, uh, LSU, Missouri, one and one, you can really make some hay in that four-game stretch coming up, and that may prove to be the case. But things change quickly, as we know. And Georgia playing better now. Um, South Carolina, you cannot hardly figure out. Uh, Vanderbilt's playing better, uh, but you don't have to go to Memorial Gymnasium. You're always thankful for that as an Alabama fan. Let's go back to Steve at the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio line right now. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing great, Travis. How about yourself? Could not be better, my man. Yeah. Doing better than I deserve to be. Uh... Did I hear correctly that Joe Lenardi had Alabama at uh, a number one seed? He did last week. Now you know their net their and their net ranking after the loss to Missouri on Saturday. They were still top ten. I think they're ninth. So yeah. that would speak more to the two line now. More of the two line, yeah. After the loss, and yeah, that's fine. <laughs> well, you know, we come off the Oklahoma loss. And we just embarrass LSU the very next day. And then we go to Missouri, which we should have handled relatively easy. I know Missouri's, you know, ranked maybe top 20. And, uh, we had to come, to, we had to come back from 21 points. Now that shows a lot of moxie, but I don't, right. I have a hard time, I have a hard time believing that. <clears throat> <laughs> that we that that Alabama could be no more than the third seed to have to come back down, you know, and like I said, to have to come back from from twenty one down and uh, and still lose the game <clears throat> when they had ample opportunity to win the game. Yeah, uh, they, it they just, did. It just reeks of Alabama of old. It'll be all right, Steve. I, I think it was encouraging. Yeah, I mean, as I talked about earlier, maturity is a is a two-way thing. It, if you don't get off to a good start and you get behind because of it, you do give yourself a chance. And where maturity really comes in is on the defensive end of the floor. And that's really where Alabama gave itself a chance on Saturday. You're not coming back from 22 down uh, with more, little more than a half of the second half to go unless you get a lot of stops. And Missouri went the last six-plus minutes of that game Saturday without a field goal. So, right. you know, right. give Alabama credit for that. And that's typically, yeah. that's typically where teams that don't have some intestinal fortitude, that's yeah. where they just get drummed and run out of the gym. If they're down yeah. 22 with 11 or 12 to go, they don't have enough within them to, to muster some stops, to to, bump, to to hunker down, stay in it, and keep playing. And so that was encouraging for Alabama. But the uh, 
the rough start in an early game. That's, that, yeah, that's that something you wonder about. Hey, listen, I got one more question. Okay. Devin White, was he yes, that sir. good at LSU? Yes, he was. He was a really good player at LSU. As you might recall, there was the big dust-up after he was called for targeting the week prior to the 2018 game against Alabama down in Baton Rouge, yeah. and he was ejected, and so he was out for the first half of that that Alabama game. That led to a big billboard campaign and everything else around Birmingham because yeah. Yeah, he was going to have to miss the first half. I don't think it really mattered. Alabama won that game, what, 29 to nothing down in Baton yeah. Rouge? But, yeah. yeah, really good player, really good player. And, and th- those linebackers, man, for the Bucks, he and David are just – there's well, a real I tell you deal. What, David White was everywhere. Yeah. Last yeah. night. He was he 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 finished that season uh exceptionally strong. I wondered about Devin White at the next level as more of a sideline to sideline cover guy. Can he play in space? Um yeah. is he more of a thumper? But no. I mean <laughs> he is a dominant player at the linebacker position right now. Well, I tell you what, Leonard Fournette's doing everything he can. Uh, outside of playing Alabama, <laughs> he said he didn't even show up. I remember, I remember a, a commentator that said everybody else was playing football. Leonard Burnett's running track. Yeah, well, well, you know, he never did that against Alabama. No, well, LSU can dominate the point of attack like yeah. uh, like the Bucks did against the Chiefs last That's night. True. They just all right, they Travis. I appreciate kind of your time, brother. Hey, Steve, as always, love hearing from you. There you go, Steve, checking in with us on a Monday morning. Going to step aside to our first break. You can join us as well, 205-342-9904. Open phone lines throughout the program today. It is a winners and losers edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. More of the show right after this. This is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama Sports, and it's brought to you by C Spire. Add C Spire Fiber to your roster at cspire.com slash alfiber. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama men's basketball fell for the first time in conference play as Missouri defeated Alabama 68-65 on Saturday in Columbia. Head coach Nate Oates met with the media after the game. First SEC loss. Obviously, guys are disappointed. I'm disappointed. We uh, gave ourselves a chance there at the end to win it. You know, I didn't think played like we needed to in the first half. I uh, somehow we got to get these guys ready to go a little bit better, better starts these Saturday morning games. But I give our guys a ton of credit. Uh, we were down 22 with 13 minutes to go in the game and had multiple opportunities to take the lead in the last minute, minute and a half of the game. I'll have more in a moment. Bad internet is bad for business. We've all been there. Lagging video chats. Slow downloads. Oh, come on. It's just not a good look. Instead, call Seaspire Business. Our local experts deliver gigabit speeds backed by thousands of miles of fiber for the fastest, most reliable internet around. Period. No excuses, no apologies. Just fiber-fast internet that works. Seaspire Business. See how our fiber solutions can help power your success at ceasefirebusiness.com. Join us tonight for Hey Coach, presented by Alpha Insurance on the network at 6 p.m. Central. 
We're hosting the show live from Baumhauer's Victory Grill in Tuscaloosa, and we'll be joined during the show by baseball coach Brad Bohannon, as well as men's basketball head coach Nate Oates. The show begins at 6 p.m., and we'll be streaming live as well on our Facebook and Twitter pages. And that's your BAM update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by C Spire. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports. Partly to mostly sunny this afternoon, the high today 62. For tonight, becoming mostly cloudy with a low at 48. Tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine, the high 66. Wednesday, mostly cloudy, the chance of a few scattered showers, the high at 70. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Yeah, I talked about it on Friday. Uh, was worried I wasn't going to really catch any of the big game. You know, the NFL, they send out those memorandums to businesses not to advertise uh the big game as the super bowl like even in your social media tweets and things even like peter brook had to refer to it as the big game but i was worried about maybe missing the big game uh yesterday because i was traveling but i pulled off the rare double i pulled off the rare double with the chocolate lady we watched the super bowl in two different states got to be a first got to be a first we caught the first half at uh, Hartsfield Airport in Atlanta, Georgia today. We were able to get in there for the layover that was about an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes. Game is just kicking off as we're deplaning there in Atlanta. Catch a little chicken wing basket at one of the little airport bars or whatever, you know, because you got to have chicken wings. It's like, a federal offense. It's a felony if you don't have chicken wings on Super Bowl Sunday. So we split an eight-piece, got the Korean barbecue. I mean, by airport standard, not bad, not great, not bad. You know, she likes those flats. We had the flats and drumettes discussion last week. She likes the flats, so whenever the basket comes out, I know I'm getting the, the drumettes. I mean, that's just the way it's going to go. That's fine. That's fine. They were okay. You know, they were okay. Um, But the layover worked out just so we could watch the first half. It was awesome. So we were able to watch the first half. We catch the connector into Shuttlesworth. By the time we touch down, I'm watching early third quarter. I was able to see the Fernet touchdown run on the phone app. You can get that CBS Sports phone app, and you can watch the Super Bowl for free yesterday. So I've got it on the phone 
Uh, we're watching the weekend, which, by the way, Jacob Harrison, you a weekend fan? I, I, I'm, I mean, I know, I know his music from just you know pop culture and things like that. Uh, what were your thoughts? Did you pay any attention to the halftime show yesterday, Jacob? I mean, I liked it. It wasn't like incredible, but it wasn't mm-hmm. bad. Like I'm. I'm one of those, like, I don't know where the standard is to be whelmed, and I don't like calling every halftime show underwhelming. Uh, I know. But I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad either. Yeah, it was fine. That's the way I, that's the way I looked at it. To me, Prince down in uh, Miami in the rain, the halftime show he did years ago, that's still the gold standard of Super Bowl halftime shows, Prince. Um, it was fine yesterday. But could we get a few more weekend extras? I mean, how many weekend extras were on the field at one time during the halftime show yesterday? Had to be 150 extras dressed up like the weekend. And the chocolate lady and I, we got into a little bit of a debate. Jacob, my stance was they had to pay all those guys something. I mean, they weren't. Her thing was, oh, they're doing it for free. They're doing it for the experience. I'm thinking, no, I mean, these aren't cast-offs from the local dinner theater down there on the field with the weekend. These are legitimate performers. They had to pay them something. I figured they paid all those people like 200 bucks each. What do you think, Jacob? No, think I, think, paid? I think the only person that got on the field last night and didn't get paid was that striker. <laughs> and even he probably got paid something. He did. He paid. He probably paid back the Tampa City well, quite a bit too. <laughs> yeah, he probably had a deal where with whoever, whoever, someone put him up to that, and whoever did it probably had his bail or you know take care of his trespass charge that he was undoubtedly hit with. But yeah, I think all those guys were paid during the halftime show. But uh, you know, I, I thought it was fine. So I was able to catch the third quarter while we boarded the plane and then when we got into Shuttlesworth because it's just a hop really right over the state line there was able to see kind of the finish so there you go two different states by the way Alabama men's basketball the AP poll has now come out for this week Alabama checks in at number 11 so there you go Alabama following the three-point loss at Missouri on Saturday now sits at number 11 in the latest AP poll you know, Donald talked about the need for a point guard. I think it is what it is at this point, you know. I don't – and he mentioned specifically Javon Quinterly. Javon Quinterly, statistically, you look at him last couple games, giving Alabama more of what he had before a little bit of a dip as far as scoring production. You know, I think he was in double digits once again on Saturday. He was. 12 points, needed 13 shots to get there, two of four from the free throw line. Three turnovers, just one assist. Alabama, which is six six assists compared to 13 turnovers in the game. Uh, the, the only thing I have a problem with with Quinterly from time to time, it just seems like it's one dribble too much with him, whether it's in the half court or even in transition. He has a tendency – it's an extra dribble where he'll look down and then try to do the, you know, look for the hit ahead. And a lot of times it's it's a little bit late. The ball sticks to Javon a little bit from time to time. But when he's scoring, when he's got it going, you don't hear any complaints. He played 22 minutes against Missouri off the bench. The bench produced in terms of points. 29-9, to nine, Alabama had the edge in bench scoring on Saturday. But again, when you look at points in the paint, uh, that was a washout 
46 to 22, Missouri got it done. 205 342 9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. Some Alabama football news, some unwanted Alabama football news from over the weekend as well. Carl Scott, Carl Scott, Alabama cornerbacks coach, uh, and one of its chief recruiters for Nick Saban these last three years. Moving on to the Minnesota Vikings, off to the NFL. Seen quite a few college guys of late making that jump to the National Football League. And Carl Scott among them now as he is off to the NFC North and the Vikings. Carl Scott, as much as anything, good coach, don't get me wrong. And when you look at potential successors to Carl Scott, obviously – we talked about this in relation to pretty much the running backs job when Charles Huff moved on or uh, even special teams tight in uh, with Jay Graham taking over for Jeff Banks. And you got to have, obviously, capable coaches. But these, again, are chief recruiting spots. So you'll hear some candidates' names and maybe from their past as a player in college and or the pros – they are attractive to you. You hear a certain name, and you're like, wow, that guy was a really good player at Alabama, at Florida State, maybe somewhere else, and then went on to the National Football League and had a really good career. That's all well and good, but you better be able to recruit because that, in the mind of Nick Saban right now, when he thinks about replacing Carl Scott and he understands that Carl Scott, a really good coach, you're not moving to the National Football League where you don't have to recruit if you aren't a really good position coach. In the mind of Nick Saban, the list gets tight because it comes down to recruiting. That's what it'll come down to. A lot of guys obviously qualified, so we'll see how that search goes with Carl Scott moving on to the NFL just when you think it's done, right? Just when you think the movement might be done, these NFL teams, these NFL teams still involved as they put their season to a rest gonna head to another break we come back more of a monday edition of southern fried sports right here on tide 100.9 fm right after this you're listening to southern fried sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst travis ryer on your home for alabama sports tide 100.9 and streaming on the tide 100.9 app couldn't go any farther to the right for the volume. He'd just tear it off. He'd turn it all the way over and just he had that Alpine stereo system with those Ibanez speakers. Like I've said before, he had a $2,000 sound system and a $400 Nova. That's what he had back in the day. 
Motley Crew on a Monday. A Monday of Motley Crew. Vince Neal, lead singer for Motley Crew. This one will make you feel old. If you're a person in your 50s like yours truly. Vince Neal turned 60 today. 60 years old. Lead singer, front man. Motley Crew. Yeah. They've maintained, man. They sustained. And Nirvana and Grunge came through there in the early 90s and wiped out a lot of the boys. Like Poison, some of those bands. Molly Crew's still doing it. I mean, once they don't have to deal with a pandemic, you'll see them back out there drawing big crowds, too. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line on a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports. A lot to get into as we wind down today's program. Again, we were talking about the departure of Carl Scott from the cornerback position and as coaching staff and how that'll result in a new hire on the defensive side of the ball. Perhaps that'll be the limit of it on the defensive side. Never say never. That carousel's still spinning. But uh, you got a pretty good GA, right, when it comes to your cornerbacks. Guy named Nick Saban. He's at uh, cornerbacks GA. Still likes to get out there with those corners, so that helps. That obviously helps. And, you know, Nick Saban, a pretty good recruiter in his own right. So uh, you're going to have that support of whoever comes in to fill those shoes for Carl Scott. And that's not to say that Carl Scott and Jeff Banks aren't important to what Alabama's been able to do on the recruiting trail the last couple of years with an emphasis on Texas. But last time I checked, Alabama's been signing players out of Texas for a long time for pretty much the entirety of the Nick Saban tenure at Alabama. I think what will be interesting with Alabama recruiting in the state of Texas has more to do with what Sark can get done in Austin. And we had Chris Hummer on recently. He's stationed right there in Austin, Texas, University of Texas graduate, national college football writer for 247sports.com. And, you know, Chris's point was, under Charlie Strong even, more recently Tom Herman, the first couple of years of those guys' tenures, they recruited extremely well. Top five, top six type classes, which tells you within the state they were holding their own. But after a year or two, they weren't showing enough progress to those in-state kids to convince them not to go to Oklahoma, not to go to Alabama, even Ohio State, programs like that coming in. So that's going to have as much to do with Alabama's continued success, or at least the depth of it. Alabama, regardless, Sark can win the Big 12 the next 10 straight years, Alabama still will be able to go into, as long as Nick Saban's the head coach at Alabama, Alabama will still be able to go into Texas. Maybe not get six or seven like they did in this latest cycle, but they'll get a couple of three if they really want them. Even with Jimbo apparently turning the corner now with Texas A&M. Just too many kids. I mean, that's why everybody goes there. There's It's like a trough. Uh, everybody can kind of get what they need from the state of Texas. But I think what Sark is able to establish in his first couple of years is going to be critically important to not only his shelf life there in Austin, but what other programs like Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma are able to go into the Lone Star State and do on the recruiting front. And also with Carl Scott leaving, you know, you look at this Alabama defense for next season, and there's a lot of excitement, and understandably so, a lot of pieces coming back. But I think uh, it's going to get interesting in terms of 
how some guys are utilized moving forward, some of those returning pieces and, you know, how it sort of lines up. And when you look at guys like Christian Harris coming back at linebacker and the versatility you have with some of those guys in the secondary, like Malachi Moore and Brian Branch, um, now, how do you go about utilizing those guys uh, as primary positional players in the base defense, but then certainly in the base packages, as we saw Malachi Moore and Brian Branch become such a big part of during their true freshman seasons? Let's head back to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now at 205-342-9904. Our pal JR is waiting for us there. JR, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I cannot complain, JR. It's beautiful today. It's a beautiful day, and I just got my cast off the other day. So. All right. That's what yeah, we like to hear. I've still got a little ways to go with a, a boot. And but, you're a, but you are ambulatory. I you am. Can, uh, yeah. That's a great <laughs> word. I love that word. I do like that word. I like, to be, I like good <laughs> words. However, when I go trying to use them, sometimes I sound stupid. I know, right? I don't like to go in an ambulance, but being you're ambulatory. You're good. You're, no, I, would, yeah. I knew we were talking about an ambulance. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, I wanted to just ask you a question and see what you say. Um, you know, Alabama has such a turnover, not only in players but in coaches. How well are these the players that leave early? How are they doing overall in the last few years with all this turnover in the pros? And likewise with coaches, not only the pros but where they go otherwise. Overall, how are they doing? Are they doing very well or – is it something maybe they need to think about maybe sticking around a little longer? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting question when you talk about the NFL draft and especially in recent years. And, uh, you know, you look at some of the guys, I guess you could go, wow, I'm trying to find these drafts here and kind of let's say, let's say 2019 because 2020 it's probably not fair just a season in to – to make any type of blanket statements about guys after their rookie seasons. But let's say 2019, Quinnen Williams was a three and out. Seems to have worked out pretty well for him as the number three overall pick with the New York Jets. Jonah Williams comes out at the offensive tackle position. He has the shoulder situation going into his rookie season, has to have surgery, misses that season. I think he was injured again this year. So with Jonah Williams to this point, I mean, the, the place in which the, – the spot in which he was drafted validated his decision. He went number 11 overall. Josh Jacobs, similarly, going 24th overall. Um, you know, I'd say that's worked out. Irv Smith as a tight end coming out, going in the second round. You know, based on value at his position, that's pretty close to the ceiling. So I wouldn't really second-guess his choice uh, in going out when he did. Uh, he's becoming more and more of a factor in that Minnesota Vikings offense. Um, you know, and then you look at guys in 2019, like, uh, you know, the, the, the Mac Wilson and, and some of the guys that went later, uh, Max hanging in there with Cleveland. Uh, he's not a full-time starter, I don't believe. So, uh, you know, some of these guys, I know that, uh, you talk about Ronnie Harrison has, has been a, a guy that's been pointed out in recent years, he left a little early at the safety position and ended up going in the third round of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was a bit up and down with the Jags for a couple, three seasons. Was traded to the Browns. Maybe a fresh start will be a good thing for him. But you know, that's the thing. There's so much talk about 
Bama busts and things like this, at least there was eight, nine, ten years ago. You don't hear as much about that anymore because guys are typically sticking. Now, you've had a Reuben Foster situation every once in a while, um, but most of these guys have sort of stuck to the process, as Nick Saban would prefer, and they've benefited from it. Yeah, and Alabama really does have kind of a pro set. Yeah. That um, they really allow them to, you know, to be better, better prepared for the pros. But what about coaches? Well, you know, I mean, what you typically see at Alabama, you don't, you don't really see guys just leave to leave. You know, you see guys. Jeremy Pruitt leaves to become the head coach at Tennessee. Kirby Smart leaves to become the head coach at the University of Georgia. You see position coaches, they'll leave to become coordinators. Or, in the case of Carl Scott, they leave to go up to the National Football League. So, uh, if you see some lateral moves involving Alabama assistants, it's usually a pretty good indication that the departure from Alabama was mutually agreed upon. Now, with a guy like Jeff Banks, if Texas really is throwing a million dollars a season at him to coach tight ends and special teams, then you know that that's that's going to be a lateral move that is going to be more about the money than anything else. So, uh, typically, Jr. If if coaches are leaving Alabama, that Nick Saban truly wants would prefer to keep it's because they're they're taking steps up they're taking promotions whether it's in position or again going on maybe to the national football league well good answers appreciate that a whole lot no problem we can go in depth about that a little more next time i was thinking more like um does Alabama typically offer them a lot more money to stay or when they've got somebody they want to stay? But we'll get into that another day. Sounds good. Appreciate you. All right, JR. Glad you are ambulatory. We appreciate that. We're happy for you. All right, my man. We'll talk to you again soon. There goes JR. We're going to step aside for a final break on a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right here on Tide 100.9 FM. More of the show right after this. Partly to mostly sunny this afternoon, the high today 62. For tonight, becoming mostly cloudy with a low at 48. Tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine, the high 66. Wednesday, mostly cloudy, the chance of a few scattered showers, the high at 70. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. 205-342-9904. You still got time to jump in on a Winners and Losers Monday if you would like to do that on the PGA Tua. Big winner from over the weekend. Brooks Kepka, multiple major winner. Brooks with an Eagle 2 on 17. 
yesterday at the TPC Scottsdale to put himself in position to win the Waste Management Phoenix Open for a second time in his career with a score of 19 under par for his win, Brooks. Brooks, the Florida State Seminole, putting a little 1.3 M's into the old bank account. Not bad. Not bad. Brooks Kepka looking healthy. He had about a year and a half stretch where he's struggling with his health. Looks to be in good shape now. 19 under, a winner. And Justin Thomas, from the Alabama perspective of things, had a couple of really good rounds there through the middle of the tournament of the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Uh, not so much yesterday, but still a T13 for JT. He picks up 138700 bucks for his week. So uh, we got the pro golf and the cable on the cable in full swing. You're going to have that TPC down there in the old stomping grounds coming up soon. The players, as it's called now. The players. Back to that March start now for the players. Dustin Johnson, too, uh, with a win over the weekend. World number one, Dustin Johnson. You've got uh, DJ as the number one player in the world. According to the World Golf Rankings right now, JT at number three. So you had those two as your winners over the weekend, Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka. Good to see also uh, Jordan Spieth picking it up. Didn't finish the way he would like. Didn't finish the way he would like, but still a T4 for Spieth. He's had his struggles the last couple of years, as we know. So some good stuff. In terms of professional golf from over the weekend, really hated to hear last night of the passing of Pedro Gomez of ESPN, the outstanding reporter, uh, primarily Major League Baseball throughout the years, been a staple of ESPN's Major League Baseball coverage, passed away unexpectedly yesterday at the age of 58. Just tragic. Absolutely tragic. Hate to hear that. Of course, thoughts and prayers out to the Gomez family and uh, just a, a tough, tough situation there. That's going to do it for a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports. I think we got it pretty much covered. I didn't ask Jacob Harrison for the results of the Super Bowl spread. Did you have the Rotel? Did you have the Rotel, Jacob? The Rotel was actually the one thing that didn't get made. <laughs> what? The wings? Did you have wings? Pizza? What else did we have? Yeah, we had the wings, the mozzarella sticks, some jalapeno poppers. Uh, there you go. I, I, I think I downed a, a whole thing of Cheetos puffs, too. <laughs> that wasn't healthy at all. Well, you're a patriot. I mean, that's as America as it gets right there, you know, if you're doing all those things on a Super Bowl Sunday, for crying out loud. There you go. There's the, the spread update from Jacob Harrison. As we get out of here on a Monday, speaking of spreads, man, let Southern Ale House handle yours. In fact, head to Southern Ale House for lunch right now. If you're feeling a little bit guilty after that Super Bowl spread, they've got salads too there at Southern Ale House. I love that chopped wedge. The chopped wedge, you get that with the grilled chicken on top, the uh, house-made balsamic vinaigrette, or you can get it in traditional wedge fashion with blue cheese crumbles, blue cheese dressing. They can do it that way for you, too. They can make you feel better about the diet after the Super Bowl weekend. At Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Until 11 a.m. Until 11 a.m. on Tuesday. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody.